0: Welcome back to the QEH podcast, the place to find out more about the school and to connect with staff, pupils, and parents at a deeper level. Each week, we'll be interviewing people within the QEH community, asking them questions and spending time understanding them and more about the school. In this episode, we're finding out what happens behind the scenes of school life by talking to a states bursar, Sarah Bryant. This is such a good episode if you ever wanted to know what else happens in school, especially during the school holidays. We're about to find out whether Sarah's team slowed down much over the pandemic. Spoiler alert, not even a little bit. We discover what else happens during the school holidays, and we find out some of the discoveries that Sarah has made over the last few years. Some of them are pretty amazing too. So let's go behind the scenes right now by speaking to Estates Bursar Sarah Bryant. Sarah, welcome to this episode of The School Podcast. Thank you for being here. How are you today?
1: I'm fine, thank you. I've had a lovely weekend and I've come in today to check on a few things that were outstanding from last week and inputting all the floodlights ready for the winter at the sports Ooh. ground.
0: Oh, OK, right. So preparation for winter. Tell me more about these floodlights down at the sports ground. What's going on there?
1: We um, installed um, some 4G and 3G pitches back in 2019. Uh, we hardly used them due to the pandemic, but um, they are fully in use now and we need to make sure that the floodlights are turned on at the right times. Um, So from October to April next year, we need them turned on about three o'clock in the the afternoon. So um, I've been doing that all morning.
0: Right. So I, I guess a project like that is one of those projects that in, well, in summertime, clearly that's needed less, but in wintertime, I imagine that opens up the opportunity for using those new pitches at times when it just gets dark when normally in the past you wouldn't have been able to use them
1: yes so we didn't have any astro pitches um, before 2019 Uh, it was a new 3.8 million pound investment for the school and so we can now use the pitches from about three o'clock till six p.m in the autumn and winter um, which is great so after school activities um, is what I've been plugging in this morning is great for the kids to do that and yeah so they can use the hockey and the, um, the hockey netball and uh, rugby
0: fantastic oh, okay right all sounds good so we'll come on to a little bit more of this uh, later in this podcast episode but first of all Sarah I wonder whether you could just tell us a little bit about your own background so where you grew up and where you went to school and what your own experience of school life was like
1: Right. I um, grew up in a place called Knutsford in Cheshire. Um, I went to the local school down the road. And um, yes, it was very nice. I I found school difficult as I had quite a lot of medical issues. So I didn't spend a lot, a lot of my time at school. And having scoliosis of the spine meant that I had to wear a brace for the majority of my secondary school um time there so it was quite um it was quite difficult being at school but yeah so I went on to do a levels um at 16 I knew exactly where I wanted to be um I uh, wanted to be a building surveyor and I think I skipped through the door of the um at home and announced to my parents that I wanted to be a chartered building surveyor and no one knew what that was (laughs) So, um, looking into what to do, I went off to uh, the University of West of England. I did four years there and got my degree. And then I um, had to do another two to three years of practice before I got qualified as a chartered building surveyor. So, yes, that's that. I spent 12 years in private practice working in small and large multinational surveying firms before I joined QEH in 2007. Um, initially as a estate surveyor, so I wasn't doing any of the compliance side. I was just doing refurbishments. But then I was working for both RedMates and QEH at the time. And in 2014, I came over to- QEH solely as the estates bursa.
0: Okay. All right. So let's unpack this a little bit more. Estates bursa, what does that actually do? I mean, I imagine that some of the parents listening to this may not know exactly what that role entails. To be frank, I don't think I know exactly what that role entails. Tell me and everyone listening to this episode what that's all about.
1: I look after the maintenance generally, um, statutory compliance um, like asbestos and legionella regulations, grounds upkeep, cleaning, portering, security of the buildings, but it's not just on the main site as well. I also uh, look after, as I mentioned before, our off-site sports ground at Fayland. Um, I also look after our tenanted endowment properties and um, farmland that we have on the outskirts of Bristol. There is two teams we have here. Um, they have the maintenance side of the uh work and then there's the um cleaning and portering sides so there's a roundabout including myself about 14 people across the maintenance and cleaning side
0: so during 2020 a lot of people a lot of pupils weren't in school and a lot of school staff of course weren't in school how was your role affected yourself i mean I'm, I'm guessing that you were spending more time at home how to what extent were you able to carry out your role given a pandemic and a lockdown that was going on
1: Completely opposite to what you said I didn't stop, so I didn't really do any working from home the job I do, the job I do um I can't do from home so I think when we decided that certain teams would be um, you did one day they would do another day I have my own office so after about two weeks I came back to work and um, cancelled all of Easter and then got everyone decorating. Right. For the, for the next 12 months. So, yeah, that's what I I didn't really stop. Uh, I spent probably about 2 weeks cancelling all of my Easter workload because it was just before the 3 week Easter break and I basically organised everything. Easter is probably the um one of the busiest times of the year after summer where I've got three weeks of work done. So I had some refurbishment works going on. Um, I had the normal compliance checks and that all um, all had to go in, you know, a matter of days. So, yes, I didn't really work from home at all. Gosh,
0: wow. So I'm presuming then, based on what you have just told me, that at other times of the year, ignoring pandemic at other times of the year when school life tends to go quieter, that's when, for you, it generally gets busier, like during the summer holidays, like during Easter holidays?
1: Yeah, I spend the whole of September um, collating the summer works we've done, finishing that off, and then um, basically checking the whole year to make sure I've got all the compliance and all the servicing and uh, testing that we do in place ready for checks. I then spend September working out what I do in October half-term and so forth, uh, October to Christmas doing what we do at Christmas. But but most of the time we are doing our works in the holidays when the pupils are off. Um, So our biggest time is the summer holidays So we have eight weeks of work, basically putting things back together, compliance checks, or if we're doing a refurbishment work that we've just finished in the pit.
0: Gosh, right. So when all of us are enjoying our summer holidays, that's when when all the real work is going on at school with regards to maintenance and and estates bursar issues. Sarah, you've mentioned compliance and testing a few times. Tell me a bit more about this compliance and testing, because I'm going to guess as well that a lot of the parents that are listening to this might not understand or might not know about the sort of compliance and testing that needs to happen in a school.
1: Yes. So we have um, certain things that have to be done under regulations, for example, the uh, asbestos, um, legionella, boiler servicing and checks, um, deep cleaning of the kitchen is one Um, insurance checks on the lifts and pressure vessels it's a long long list of items it isn't just servicing and the lifts for example that we should for example the lifts we do we service four times a year we do that because it's good practice where you have the insurance checks it's done by our our insurance company and they come in twice a year for the passenger lift and once a year for the, um, the uh, goods lift that we have here from the kitchen. So there, that's one item. I have a rather large spreadsheet that makes sure that I know when they are done. Some are weekly, for example. The Legionella, we have something called little like little used outlets. They're done on a weekly schedule. So they, the maintenance team will go, we've identified which taps are not used very often, so therefore need flushing. They're done weekly right up to when we deep clean the cooker hood for insurance purposes once a year. So there's lots of little things. You'd have to see the spreadsheet to know how large it is. And each year it gets bigger and bigger and bigger with new things that are added. So, for example, with the AstroTurf and the new uh, floodlights, they added about six or seven um, compliance and testing to it that needs to be done each year or every two years. So it's like that.
0: Gosh, this spreadsheet sounds like it's kind of um, a, a key part of your job in that case, a key part of you understanding what needs to happen next. Is that right?
1: Yes, if I if I lose my spreadsheet, I don't know what I'd do without it. So the spread the spreadsheet it basically is my life. Anyone can know what is being done or not done from this. So I have my four budgets that relate to certain certain sections of the building. For example, one for Phelan, one for here, one for the endowment. Um I have then the servicing side. I've got a roof repair schedule which is roof repairs that have been going on since 2007 when I started right up to the present day and a small leak in the library that happened yesterday if I don't keep a a kind of schedule of where those roof repairs or roof leaks are then I don't know if it I, I can't work out what the problem is or if it's just a small one or it needs repairing so I've got that I've also got ongoing painting schedules so that every room gets painted every five years, although in the pandemic, every room got painted, to the electrical testing one, which is set up so that it reminds me when it's about to go out of date three months beforehand. So yes, it's there's more than that. <laughs> but that's just a flavour of what I have, um, which I open daily when I come into work. So
0: it strikes me then that, the, that your work is also a combination of things that w- should be done, when I say should be done, kind of have to be done, but along with things that could be done, you know, other things that are, that are, uh, I won't say nice to do, but but things that maybe don't have to be done from a compliance point of view, but are good things to do in school life. Is that right?
1: Yes, yes. So you don't have to do all of them, but you would do them just because it's, it's like a planned preventative maintenance regime we have in this being in the states 1st you've got reactive which is there's a water leak go deal with it or things that are planned so if you are planning to service something it more like it's it's more it will last longer you're supposed to service your boiler at home every year i don't think a lot of people do but to yes you are (laughs) so if you don't service it, it's more likely going to go wrong. And if it goes wrong, it's going to cost more. So that's why we service a lot of things. And
0: to use your boiler example, not only will it cost more, it could easily go wrong at the worst possible time, like you know the day before Christmas or something like that.
1: Yes, yes. We do a lot of the servicing and um, compliance checks in the summer. so that, So all the boilers are serviced and checked. All the pumps are serviced. That all those things that the control systems to the boilers boilers that there's a trend system on most of them they're all checked so that um if there's any issues then we're ready to go and we don't have an issue further along down the line when we turn the boilers on um generally after october half term we don't want hmm. a nasty surprise
0: yeah oh, i see right So I imagine then that between you and your team, you probably see parts of the school that a lot of other people may well never see at all in their whole time of being at the school. What would you say some of your interesting discoveries are that you've made while you're at QEH? (laughs)
1: There's been quite a few. Um, I think the one that probably would you could see the pupils could see themselves and parents could actually see themselves because it's in the cabinet in the front reception is the yard drain was um blocked one day and the maintenance team went off to find out why it was blocked and basically um rodded through and found a cannonball in the drain a cannonball um so it was like a cannonball like literally a yes. cannonball Uh, Literally a cannonball Um, and now in the front foyer and it was later dated I believe to the civil civil war but nobody knows how it got in the drain in the first place. So
0: how long had it been in there for then do you know?
1: Absolutely no idea I've only been here well the building's 174 years old now and I've only been here about 12 years. Gosh wow. So um, I do, you do feel like the, you're the custodian, custodian of the building, trying to keep it safe for the next person to look after. Mm. But there's some really strange things that the school has. Um, we've been... this junior school and the, how, and the... No, the gardening club. The gardening club have been using a small area of the building and unearthing some broken bottles and earthenware and what looked like animal bones um so we've identified that as a what we think is a victorian rubbish mix, oh, wow. known as a midden. so they've got a lovely collection of various bits and bobs medicine bottles um you know strange bits of pottery um and that's they keep on nursing things like that and it's quite intrigued and they they love doing mm. that we also think um, we might have something at the back of the science labs known as a fives wall, I think, or fives, which is some kind of ancient sport played with a hand against a three-sided wall. Um, it's intrigued me ever since I've been here because it looks like it's been sort of messed around with and chopped about, but I'm not actually sure if it's a fives wall or not. And the strangest one at the moment is my... as. It's my little obsession, as most people will probably tell anyone, is the, uh, the vaults at the moment that we broke into about 12 months ago with a strange water leak that we still can't find. Yeah, that's my focus at the moment, is the trying to uh, resolve the water leak so that we can refurbish it into a useful space of the school buildings.
0: But tell me about these vaults. What are they all about then?
1: So on the uh, left-hand side of the building, where the maintenance catering end is, is an underground part of the school. The rear part of it is re- just purely retaining wall. Above it is the sixth form cafe. It used to be the toilets and below it is on our original 1843 linen drawings noted as water tanks and the coal, sh- coal room. Um, So we think these two vaults were where they collected rainwater and pumped up to clean the toilets. Um, However, we've never found how the water... We we worked out how the water got out and Mm -hmm. how you got it up into cleaning, but we haven't worked out how the water got into the building, um, into the water tank, sorry. So this could be what we're finding but we can't find it to stop it wow. or to re- or to divert it
0: well i think now's probably a good time to introduce some of the some of the students to this and see if they can work it out as well
1: yes <laughs> i've been hunting for 12 months and each time i come up with a theory <laughs> it gets disproven i've just basically disproved my theory <laughs> over the weekend so we um we were absolutely absolutely sure that it wasn't the cafe that was leaking and we proved it beforehand, but the water board have asked us to t- basically turn off the whole of the cafe above for the whole weekend. So we did that with hardly mm-hmm. any water coming through. I've been there at nine o'clock this morning to check it. And it's like a waterfall.
0: Oh, gosh. Wow. Amazing. Amazing. So you've got to be a bit of a Sherlock Holmes then to work out how, does, how to resolve this.
1: Yeah, um it. That's why it's it's so intriguing, and that's why, as I said, it's a bit like a love hate relationship so i i I love working here, I love the people, and sometimes, but sometimes i I'm not a great fan of the building when I can't solve <laughs> something um oh. it's it's those it's those difficult to solve problems that that basically mm. cause such a problem. Um, and, and near impossible in time to res- at the moment to resolve.
0: Although equally, when they are resolved, surely a greater sense of satisfaction.
1: Yes, yes. Um, the satisfaction I've had with one is obviously when the main drain to the whole site um, failed. That was quite a stressful period. Um, mm-hmm. That was just before the pandemic came mm-hmm. and where we had um, a drainage coming out onto the footpaths which, you know, is not great.
0: Not ideal, no.
1: <laughs> not ideal, not ideal. Um, it took 18 months to repair because I can only do works when the uh, school is shut. So if that might be the first first week in October, half term, I might just be surveying drains um, mm. and then going away working out what to do, then repairing a small section because I've only then got one week at Christmas to resolve one section Um, So each time it was planned that you would do another repair, another repair, and another repair. The last repair was done at Christmas 2019, and that included a a kind of fiberglass sock turned inside out and then steam cured um, at the base of the um, retaining wall on the road. Um, And it was quite nerve-wracking because if the sock burst that meant that we would have to basically shut school um it worked thankfully wow and it's been uh has been fine ever since and apparently the old victorian drain will disintegrate around it and it will be there forever
0: gosh isn't that amazing that really is yeah Sarah uh, we need to bring this to a close and besides I I think I need to leave you to get back to your work apart from anything else Mm -hmm. but I just wanted to say thank you for being here thank you for opening up this this side of the school that I think a lot of people don't see um, probably for the right reasons they don't see it Um, but thank you for sharing life at the school through your eyes it's really interesting to hear what goes on behind the scenes like this so thank you for being here thank you so that was Estates Bursa, Sarah Bryant. Thank you for speaking to us on this podcast episode, Sarah. It was great to have you on and I really appreciate your time. Now, if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't followed the channel yet, then now is the time to do it because then it means that when the next episode comes out, you get a small notification just to let you know that it's ready. And that means that you won't miss it. So go and do that. But in the meantime, thank you for listening to this episode and we look forward to seeing you soon. Bye for now.